ladies and gentlemen, Rob Porter on 970 WDAY. Natil, how are you? Doing pretty good. Anxiously watching the internet to see if any pre-orders for the SNES Classic pop up. So far, they have been popping up in the UK and in Germany, but not yet in America. I hope they don't run out this time. That's what happened with the last one. Well, the production has, Nintendo has already confirmed that they are producing more SNES Classics than they did with the NES Classic. So that's already a, a go ahead there. And on top of that, the fact that websites are allowing pre-orders is another step in the right direction because pre-orders for the NES Classic were only available in Japan the last time around. I think Nintendo has learned from its mistakes when it came to the NES Classic. And I could geek oh, I out about so. all those mistakes for a long time. But. I hope so, because that's, that's basically why we didn't buy one, is that you know we tried to get one, and then it was always sold out, and then it was like, oh, okay, well, now we're just not making them anymore. Well, yeah, and you can, you can pick them up on eBay for yeah, three times lot. the retail price yeah. minimum. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing that. Nope, neither am I. <laughs> all right, uh, later in the program, we're going to be joined by Chris Dodson. He's with the North Dakota Catholics Conference conference you know the supreme court yesterday handed down some decisions one of them had to do with a religious school in missouri that got passed over by the state for some funding for their playground the state was basically doling out some like some grants or something like that for to improve playgrounds uh to resurface them i guess using like that rubberized like they, they make it like a rubberized um something uh, to resurface the playgrounds uh, out of, like, used tires. Anyway, they were passed over for that. Uh, they sued, you know, basically arguing that the state was discriminating against them because they're a religious institution. The state of Missouri, like North Dakota, has in their state constitution what's called a Blaine Amendment. Uh, these were actually, it was a sort of a post-Civil War era um, it, it started as a proposed amendment to the national constitution, the federal constitution, uh, which would have banned the use of public money for basically institutions of education related to religious institutions. It didn't pass at the federal level, but but most of the states have them, including North Dakota, including Missouri. And they've been a big obstacle to things like school choice programs and the like. Um, and so what happened is, is that Missouri said, well, no, because we have this amendment, we can't give you the money to resurface the playground. The Supreme Court saying, no, that's not constitutional. That's religious discrimination. It is, and I quote from the opinion, odious to our Constitution. So what does that mean? Well, it could mean we might get some progress on school choice policy here in the state of North Dakota. Anyway, we'll talk with Mr. Dodson about that. Obviously, the Catholic Church running... Uh, many private schools here in North Dakota and elsewhere. Uh, but right now, I want to talk a little bit. Natil, uh, have you been following the thing with uh, CNN and their Russian story on uh, with Donald Trump and all that? I mean, that is getting ugly. Holy Toledo! It really is. But it seems like CNN, as an overall, as an as an overarching company, is trying to do the right thing. I mean, they've they've fired yeah. the individuals that put out the story. They've retracted the story. They're you know they're trying to do the best damage control they can as a reputable news organization. Yeah, they've, they've three people have resigned, I guess, or fired, or I, I don't... They, anyway, they're not with the company anymore. One of which, by the way, a former a Pulitzer Prize winner. Uh, so this is a, a pretty big deal. And, and I don't know. I mean, tr Trump and his supporters are sort of, you know, declaring victory, and as you might expect. And I, I don't think that's entirely true, because I, I think Trump has his own adventures with the truth. 
But I think that this contributes to something, Nathiel, that we have talked about a lot on this program, which is this feeling, again, and I keep using this term over and over again because I think it's accurate, this idea that Americans are living in a story with two unreliable narrators, right? The the press are supposed to be the ones holding the powerful accountable. And it looks like, and I would argue this was even before Trump, but especially in the age of Trump, we're in a situation where the press has an agenda. The press does not like Donald Trump. The press is out to get Donald Trump. I think not all of them by any stretch of the imagination, but a lot of them. And and you got to wonder. I mean, when we think back to all of these stories about Russia and the election and the Trump campaign and Donald Trump himself supposedly colluding with Russia, story after story, based a lot of the time on anonymous sources and everything else, how much of this reporting was accurate? I mean, how much of this can we actually rely on? Because there are some real problems with this, and I think you're starting to see Nate Silver of 538.com tweeted out yesterday that he thinks a lot of the Russian reporting has relied too much on anonymous sources. I think that's accurate. You know, I, I think the problem is Trump came in, he was such a shock to the system of the national establishment, the national political establishment, the media establishment, that they just hate him. And and they have lost control of their senses. They have lost control of accountability. And reporting like that, which just got retracted, is the result. And I don't think it's just the one story. Yes, a lot of the reporting about Trump that's been negative has been accurate. But I think a lot of it's been exaggeration. I think a lot of it's been innuendo. I mean, this isn't the first time CNN itself has had to retract a story. Remember when they had to pull during uh, former FBI director James Comey's uh, uh, testimony before Congress earlier this month, while he was speaking, he came out and and basically CNN had reported that he was going to come in and, and completely contradict Donald Trump on what Trump had said about him not being under investigation. Comey didn't. CNN had to retract that story. And what's frustrating about this is that every time this happens to the press, every time they do this, it makes it harder for them to cover Donald Trump. It makes it harder for us to take them seriously. It makes it harder for them to do their jobs. For years now, conservatives have been complaining that the press is one-sided, that you look at the average newsroom and you don't see a lot of ideological diversity in there, a lot of political diversity, a lot of thought diversity going on in the newsroom. And it's a real problem. But the news industry has dismissed it, right? Because they say, oh, what do we need, an ideological you know, litmus test before we hire people? So they've dismissed it. They've said, oh, we don't have a bias problem. And I, I think what the, Trump, what the Trump era is proving is that, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because if you had more diversity of thought in your newsrooms, the coverage of Donald Trump would be fair. Because it hasn't been fair. As much negative attention as Donald Trump has earned, and he's earned a lot of it, I'm not exonerating Donald Trump. I'm not defending him. But you're going overboard. And if you'd worked on diversity a little bit, that might not be happening. Love to hear what you think. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away.
Welcome back. Rob Report here on 970 WDAY. You're calling number 701-293-9000, We're talking about this stuff with CNN and Trump. And, um, I mean, there, there's also, by the way, this, this video that's out there. It's from Project Veritas. That's that James O'Keefe, uh, that guy who does all those undercover videos. Uh, he has got a su- CNN supervising producer, uh, John Bonifield. I think that's how you pronounce it. John Bonifield. Um, he says the, the, the Russian narrative is, quote, mostly BS right now. Uh, basically saying that uh, President Trump is right to call it a, a witch hunt. He says there's no real proof of this going on. He, he talks about a situation where, um, you know, the, the, the head, the CEO of CNN, is basically pushing the Russia narrative. Uh, he says in the video, I quote, just to give you some context, President Trump pulled out of the climate accords, and for a day and a half, we covered the climate accords. And the CEO of CNN, Jeff Zucker, said in our internal meeting, he said, Good job, everybody, covering the climate accords, but we're done with that. Let's get back to Russia. Now, and and by the way, uh, James O'Keefe is promising more videos along this line, more revelations of this nature, and so I think it's going to get worse for CNN. But what do you think? I, I mean... I think it's possible, and I think this is something to keep in mind. I think it's possible to think that the press is being unfair to Trump, even if you don't like Trump, right? Even if you think Trump's a blowhard, even if you think he's not telling the truth, which, by the way, I think those things, even if you don't like Trump's policies, you don't have to be a Trump supporter to turn around and say that that a lot of people in the press are falling flat on their faces when it comes to covering him. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Caller, John, you're up. Yeah, Rob. Uh, well, let's give CNN credit for uh, retracting the story and the other story. Uh, Trump has gone on with his line of bull crap for over a year, and he has never retracted one all right but the two wrongs make a right i mean okay let's i'll stipulate to the idea that trump's a liar and he doesn't retract anything he says i'll stipulate to that how does that excuse what cnn's doing okay what cnn did uh that was a new investigative team they put together they went over they blew the protocol that's why they're not working there anymore they got fired because they didn't follow the proper channels of cnn Okay, but again and again, I mean, we, we again, we have had, how many stories have we seen about Russia, about Trump, sourced to, to one or two anonymous sources, and that's it? I mean, it's been one story after another, and and we, we, we still don't have any proof, any evidence that anything is actually going on. Well, the whole thing with the news business is there, uh, if you have the story second, you don't have the story. You got to be first with the story. So that makes it okay. I mean, they really, they really. I mean, I'm, I'm in the news business. I know how that works. That doesn't make they it okay. They need to get their stories straight. But uh, the deal. I mean, you could have four thousand reporters on Trump and point out everything they said. How can you call it Trump bashing when he's his own worst enemy? Because it still has to be fair. I mean, even 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 if Trump is awful, even if he's a liar, they still have to tell the truth. And I think in a lot of ways they aren't. I think in a lot of ways they're pursuing ratings. 
because the Trump-Russia stuff has been great for ratings. I think in a lot of ways they're, they're pursuing an ideological agenda because, let's face it, the, the newsrooms, particularly at the national level, particularly the elite newsrooms, tend to lean one way ideologically. I think a lot of that's going on, and it's not good. It's not excused by the fact that Donald Trump himself has problems telling the truth. Two wrongs do not make a right. Well, that's true. I mean, we really have to have the truth. But like um, Russia probably would never came up if uh, Trump wouldn't have said, "Hey, if Russia, if you got any more of that mail, that stuff on Hillary, we could sure use it." No, but baloney. You know, Hillary. It was. It was always going to be. It was always going to be Hillary Clinton's excuse for losing the election. I don't. I don't buy that, John. I'm sorry. Anything else? All right, we'll let John go. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, listen, I, I, think, I, think, I think Donald Trump winning the election was such a shock to the system. It was so unexpected. So many people in the press, in the political establishment, on, in both parties, frankly, were so shocked that he pulled it off that there is a sense that he's illegitimate. And and I think that that is being used, the, the hatred of him is being used to justify a lot of shoddy journalism. And it's on our television screens every day. It's on our web screens, our phone screens, our tablet screens. It's in our newspapers every day, and it stinks. All right? I mean, Donald Trump declared war on the press, and I think that was a mistake on his part. I don't think he should have did that. He called the press the enemy. And I don't think he did, should should have done that because I don't think the press is the, the enemy. I think the press is an extremely important part of American democracy. But the problem is a lot of the press seems intent on going out and proving Donald Trump right about them. Right? I mean, Donald Trump comes out and makes the press the enemy, and the press sets out to prove it. That's a mistake. Right? I mean... The track record of politicians picking fights with the press is not a good one, right? There's that saying that you don't pick a fight with somebody who buys ink by the barrel. Obviously a saying that preceded uh, the modern digital era. But Donald Trump picked a a fight with the press, and he almost seems to be winning it. Because you know what? As unpopular as Donald Trump is, the people rivaling him for unpopularity are the nation's journalists. And I, I, I think some of them wear that like a badge of pride. Right. Like like they're, oh, you know, it's we're, we're making everybody mad. So we must be doing our jobs. And, and maybe sometimes there's an element of truth in that. But right now, I think increasingly Americans just don't trust them anymore. And I think they don't trust them because the press is slanted. They're biased. And they're proving it with Donald Trump. Even people who don't like Donald Trump are beginning to look at the press coverage of him and say, you know what? It's not very fair. All right, we're going to talk about school choice. We're going to talk about that recent Supreme Court ruling on religious liberty with Chris Dodson from the North Dakota Catholic Conference. That's coming up next. I'm Rob Port. You're listening to 970 WDAY. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report on 970 WDAY. 
So yesterday, the uh, U.S. Supreme Court handed down some opinions. One of them was uh, in a case called Trinity Lutheran versus Comer. It's a it was regarding uh, a a program in the state of Missouri where they were basically the, the state was paying to resurface playgrounds. Uh, Trinity Lutheran was a church that uh, operates a school. Uh, or at least a playground, I guess. I'm not sure if they operate a school or not. But they operated a playground, and they applied for some of the resurfacing funds, and the state of Missouri turned them down, arguing that uh, they have what's called a Blaine Amendment in their state constitution, which prohibits the use of public dollars to support uh, religious institutions. Most of the states in the Union have these amendments in their state constitutions. Uh, They're sometimes worded differently and, and have varying degrees of scope, but they all basically mean the same thing. No public dollars to support religious schools. Um, so the Supreme Court, what the Supreme Court did is they said, essentially, uh, you cannot discriminate against religious institutions like that. You cannot deny them public dollars just because they're religious institutions. Uh, not even the, the quote-unquote separation of church and state doctrine is enough uh, to override that. Uh, so obviously the question becomes, because here in North Dakota over the years, we have had several fights over basically school choice programs, different iterations of them, but essentially all the same thing where, you know, basically there would be some share of, of public dollars tied to a student going to a private schools, private schools, which are often religiously affiliated. And in North Dakota, the big obstacle to that that's always cited is our own Blaine Amendment language. So is what does what the Supreme Court is, is what it has done has it weakened that? Could it open up the door maybe to some of these school choice programs? Here to talk with me about it is Chris Dodson uh, from the North Dakota Catholic Conference. Uh, Mr. Dodson, how are you? Good afternoon, Rob. Nice to have you on. I, you know, I, I, I booked you about this earlier today to talk about this, and I, I think when I wrote about it, you know, I, I was sort of looking at the Supreme Court opinion, and they had a footnote in the opinion, which basically said, you know, it's not intended to really go beyond um, you know, this this issue of playground resurfacing, we're not addressing other types of discrimination or, or other situations. So it, at, at first blush, it seemed very narrow. But just before your interview, I, I find out that the Supreme Court today uh, granted cert and vacated two Supreme state Supreme Court decisions out of Colorado and New Mexico, where Blaine amendments were used to basically deny public funds to schools. And the one out of Colorado was specifically related to a school voucher program. So I I, I think that's a big question right now. What does this mean for school choice and other policies here in North Dakota, if anything? Well, we don't know exactly what the Supreme Court had in mind with the two cases that it vacated today, except to say, basically, go back and take a look at this in light of the new decision. Uh, They could still come up. We don't know. Um, The scope of that footnote, is going to be a discussion amongst law professors and lawyers and politicians for a long time, maybe. Um, but I think it is clear that the decision is saying, hey, state, if you offer public benefits, you cannot deny them to a religious institution solely because it's a religious institution. There's, There's got to be some greater greater argument like i mean what i mean so, so what is the argument if, if they're saying well it can't just be because they're a religious institute then what sort of arguments are they saying could be allowed to, to deny those funds well it's, it's still possible reading the case that uh, the supreme court would say that money going directly to religious education is prohibited by the u.s constitution but in the past 
uh, people have argued that these Blaine Amendments, which say sometimes that no money can go to a religious institution if it's for a school, for example, or some of them say any religious institution, that those are unconstitutional if all they do is discriminate based on religion. I think one important part of this decision is um, the distinction that's made between um, what the money's going for because of what it is and what it does. In Missouri, they denied the church the funding for the playground because of what it is, not because it was using it for religious purposes. And that's where it crossed the line, according to the court. So, so what they're saying... That itself is an important decision. Right, right. So, so what they're saying basically is you can't necessarily, you, you can't say, well, we're, we're, you know, we're handing out money to spruce up playgrounds, but we're not going to give it to churches because they're churches. That's not okay. But it would be okay to say, well, we're not going to give money to a church to say buy a new altar, right? Because that's not a good use of that's, you know, Correct. specifically Correct. for worship as opposed to a playground, which is, I, I think, probably a more generally public benefit. Um, I mean, what does that mean for here in North Dakota? I know when you and I were talking, there was an instance um, not so long ago, maybe a few years ago, where the legislature was debating uh, these de- defibrillator devices that, that you see everywhere now. Great, you know, great advancement in technology, saves lives and everything. But during that legislative fight, there was there was a push to not provide, you know, there was a push to put them in the schools, but to not put them in the religious schools because of the Blaine Amendment. Now, is that sort of argument? I mean, it seems to me like, like at the very least, what the Supreme Court has done is make that sort of argument now moot. That's correct. I don't think people would make that argument anymore. At least they shouldn't. We had, we had an example from this last session, Rob. And this last session, there was a bill. It was basically to renew a program that has out, been out there to a teacher forgiveness, loan forgiveness program for shortage areas where there's a lack of teachers. Um, it was a renew, sort of a rewrite and a renewal of that program. And somewhere during the process, people took out, some legislators took out non-public schools, saying we don't want the religious schools to have this access to a government program, which is teacher forgiveness. In the final days of the session, in fact, I think it was the last day, um, the majority leaders in both parties said that's got to be fixed, and they fixed it in the OMB bill. Um, but it was another example of somebody saying, well, here's a public benefit, but we're going to deny it to religious schools solely because they're religious. And um, that would include your math teachers and everything. And all it was was trying to be, make sure that we can recruit teachers to hard-to-serve areas. Yeah, That's the type of thing I don't think they're going to be able to say anymore, well, this, is, this violates the state constitution. Because if that's how you read our state constitution, well, the U.S. Supreme Court has said, that Constitution, reading it that way, is unconstitutional according to the U.S. Constitution. 701-293-9000, email talk at wday.com. You know, a lot of this gets back to something, you know, I hear a lot of people talk about separation of church and state and things like that. And I think there's a fundamental misunderstanding of what the First Amendment says, right? I mean, we're the First Amendment doesn't mean that we have freedom we have freedom of religion, not necessarily freedom of religion. And, and I, think, I think some people interpret that to mean that, that it's, you know, we have to drive religion and religious institutions from the public square, i.e., we're not going to include them in, in some of these programs that we're talking about. 
Listen, I, I, I am against, and I think most people would be against, you know, directly funding any sort of a religious enterprise, right? Like actual worship, right? I, I don't think, you know, we should subsidize priests or rabbis or, you know, buy altars for churches or anything like that. That should all be private, right? That's that's up to the churches and their congregations and people. They should be free to do that. But there's no question that, that you know, various, you know, denominations, various churches have as a part of, of their mission, built things like homeless shelters, hospitals, churches, counseling centers, pregnancy right. centers. Right. So, so these are, these are issues where is it not, you know, is it not appropriate? These are providing a public good. Why can't policymakers make the decision if, if there's some sort of a program to direct them some money? I think that's what the Supreme court is saying is, you know, you, you can't just pass a law and say, we're going to, we're going to deny money simply because these are, are, are affiliated with a religious organization. I, to me, I think that's a big step in the right direction. It is a big step. Um, and it's something that, you know, many have argued for some time. But again, we do have this, as you said, this push to get religion completely out of the public square, out of public service, out of charities. Um, this is a blow to that argument or to that cause. And it's really a, a um, victory for plurality and diversity in our country. You know, that government's not going to have to take over every service out there. Right. And nor should we only allow secular organizations to provide service. Um, this is saying everybody can, as long as it's an equal footing, and we're right. going to have generally applicable laws and not exclude one just because of their religious nature. Just like we sh- really the origin of this comes back from some of the free speech cases. We say, Government can't open up a public forum, for example, at a park um, for one type of speech, but not another. Right. And that was sort of the genesis that's been going on for the last 30 years, really, in the Supreme Court that led to this decision. Do you think, you know, and obviously, again, getting back to the school choice issue, which which I think is a biggie for that. I mean, this already what the Supreme Court has done, I, I think, has a lot of very positive ramifications I think the school choice is, is a particularly big one. And and I'm just wondering, I mean, do, do you think, because we've seen this in, in one legislative session after another, do you see this as, as greasing the skids a little bit? I'm realizing it's it's not settled law. We don't really know what the implications are. We ha- we do have this situation with, with the, the, the Colorado Supreme Court case regarding a voucher program that's now been vacated by the Supreme Court. We don't know what the, the uptake of that's going to be yet, but... Do you see this emboldening people who push for school choice in North Dakota? Could we see well, it takes maybe away some progress? One of the, one of, it takes away one of the arguments that's been used. To be honest, though, we haven't been too concerned about the state's Blaine, Blaine amendments with regards to parental choice proposals. That is, we, the Catholic Conference and other organizations... Well, some of the legislators voting choice. against it have... I we mean, haven't they, been they that concerned that. about it, and legislators don't usually bring that up. That's not our biggest barrier. The fact is, our biggest barrier is um, just uh, refusal to recognize parental choice in our state. Um, It's just a mindset that all schools should be government schools, Um, and the state should only provide funding for government schools rather than providing public education. I like what you said. That's been the hardest challenge for us. Yeah, and then they might bring up the state's Blaine Amendment. Well, they're not going to be able to bring that up anymore. I think. 
I, I, I think you're probably right. I um I like what you said that this was a blow for plurality because I, I again I, I think you make a really good point. I very much like things to be a marketplace, right? I believe it's sort of in marketplace of all things, education, whatever, and so I think it's generally good that we have a lot of different choices and a lot of different ways of doing things, and then we can look around and say, well, this is working good and that's not working so good. I think that leads to a better sort of society, and I think really that's what we have moved a little closer towards forward here is that we have taken this, you know, sort of struck down this this legal discrimination against religious organizations that can provide some of these services that some people in the public want to choose. I think it's a very good step in, in the right direction, and, and hopefully we'll see more of it out of the courts. It's freedom to serve. That's what Absolutely. we ask for, freedom to serve. You don't have to choose. Mr. Dodson, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Rob. It's going to be an interesting debate going forward. Going to wrap the show up after this. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Look away. Welcome back, Rob. Report on 970 WDAY. Wrapping things up. If you want to get in on the last few minutes, you certainly can. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Natil, what do you think of that? I, I, I like where we're heading with this. I, I don't know if I am completely on board right now, and I, that's probably because I just I have some concerns about blurring that line between the, the separation of church and state and i don't want i don't want it to ever become a situation where even the appearance is given that a government agency or a government institution is endorsing one faith yeah i I understand that and listen i'm an atheist okay so i don't have a dog in this fight um i'm not don't belong to any religious organization i don't belong to any religion i don't this really doesn't affect me one way or another. Um, I don't send my kids to religious school. It, it's just, I don't have a dog in this fight. So I'm looking at this dr- just directly from the perspective of I want religious liberty in, in, in our society, right? I, I want I want people to have the, the freedom to, to live their lives in accordance with their religious faith or no faith at all, depending on what their personal beliefs are. So... I, I think I think what's important here is that we remember that I think that that discriminating against religious organizations and in favor of only secular organizations is as bad as the state endorsing one religion over any other. And, and so I, I think what we've got to do is strike a balance. So to me, you don't have something like the Blaine Amendment, which says no public dollars for religious schools or or however it's worded that's how it's worded in our state but however it's worded in in whatever state i don't think that's the solution i think the solution is if you're going to have a government program you treat everybody equally whether it doesn't matter what religion the organization is or if it's no religion at all so if you're say going to say we're going to put defibrillators in schools then you put them in all the schools right if we're going to put oh we're going to put defibrillators in public places okay well why not consider religious places as well 
right? I, I mean, if you're going to do that, treat everybody the same. I, I think that's what we've got to strive for. Treat everybody the same under the law. And I think things like the Blaine Amendment, don't do that. If you're saying, you know, religious organizations are specifically excluded, that's discrimination in my mind. And I, I don't see that's any better than, than the, the government elevating one church over, over all the rest or establishing a religion or, or what have you. I can see that. I just, you know, there, there's going to be a, a pendulum shift here. I mean, the pendulum yeah. has been swinging one direction for a while, and now with this, it's going to start swinging the other direction. And I hope that it stops in the middle, but I'm worried that it's going to swing too far the other way, especially in states like, you know, North Dakota or other uh, more rural states where there isn't as much religious diversity as there are in, say, some of the coastal states where there are, you know, higher population density areas where you get more diversity across all areas, not just faith, but color, creed, all of that good stuff. Yeah. So I just, you know, I, I don't want to see the pendulum swing too far the other way. And yeah, I, I hope I hope fair. it doesn't. I, like, I, I can put some trust in my country that it won't. Yeah. But if it starts going that way, then, then we're going to have other problems. We're going to have another set of issues to deal with. Do you like school choice programs? Mmm... That's another thing that I'm not yeah. that I'm not super convinced on. And again, I, I have a I have a personal dog in that fight. My mom is a public school teacher, yeah, and has been for my entire life. So, school yeah. choice programs again, they're they're. I, I think never, I, I think never they have the. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, well, I, no, I don't. I don't mean to interrupt you. I, I've never understood why. I mean, because you have the public school teach. I mean, to me, you're still going to have the same number of teaching jobs, right? I mean, there's still all these kids that need to get. Now they might all go to this, like not all go to the same schools, right? If we have if we have school choice program, we might have more options, and they might you know diversify a little bit on where they're going. But we're still going to have to educate them all, and that's still going to require teachers. So I don't know. We'll have to discuss that another day because we're out of time. We are. Th- Thanks for listening. You can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday right here on 970 WDAY or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. Stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. I don't know what's